You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. So we're in John chapter 15, and let me set it up this way. If we believe in the Bible and belong to Jesus, when we die, we're going to heaven. But in the meantime, we live here. And the question is, what is the relationship between the God who rules the kingdom of heaven and the cultures, the nations of the earth? And this is where we find ourselves today. We're looking at the words of Jesus and trying to understand why the world would hate Christians. Before I jump into this text, I want to read for you some objections people have to Christianity. A survey was conducted recently, and these are some of people's thoughts on Christianity. One person said, it feels like it's very stifling. It's not open. It's a group of people who just goes against others to give people an excuse to hate other people and thinking that they're better than them. Another said, the concept of Christianity is very oppressive. Another person said, it's a turnoff, bunch of rules. Nothing is up for discussion. Christians are closed-minded. It seems like Christians have no education. They just go with the flow. They're not as smart as me. Very simply, Christianity is love and hate. God loves us and sends us out into the world to love him and to show his love to others, to love others on his behalf. And in response, a lot of times it's not love. Sometimes we get hate. And that's exactly what the Lord is going to teach us and tell us about today. So we're in John chapter 15, and our reading begins at verse 18, and we read this. If the world hates you, now we're going to see that word uh, quite often today. This can be confusing, but just so you know, the world will hate you. God loves you. He wants you to tell others about his love, and they're going to not want to hear the message, and they're not going to want to hear from the messenger. If the world hates you, Jesus says, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Jesus is establishing that there is this conflict between the world and the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king, and he brings the kingdom of God with him. The kingdom of God is ruled by God. This world is ruled by Satan. The kingdom of God is about the truth. The world is about lies. The kingdom of God is about light. The world is about darkness. The kingdom of God is about doing things to God's glory and God's will, and it leads to eternal life. 
The world is about our glory, getting what we want, and ultimately leads to eternal death. And this battle started long before humanity was created. The storyline of the Bible is that God is good, and he made angels to worship and serve him, but some rebelled. And there was this war in heaven between the kingdom of God and the worldliness from spiritual forces, and then that tumbled down to earth. And worldliness is what we see on earth. So there is no such thing as a godly culture. Every culture has aspects and elements of rebellion and worldliness. So it's not like you can say, well, this culture is good and that culture is bad. Every culture is bad just in different ways. And Jesus is saying that ultimately there is this conflict, this collision between the world and the kingdom of heaven. You see that played out in the Old Testament with a man named Joseph a godly man who is living in the midst of an ungodly culture in the nation of Egypt. You see it also in Daniel, a godly man living in the Babylonian empire. They are citizens of the kingdom getting into the worldly culture and everything that confronts them is against God. It's opposed to God. And they seek to get these followers of God to compromise away from God. This same thing happens in the New Testament where Christians go out into the Roman Empire and there's persecution and opposition and hatred, not just against the message of Jesus, but also the messengers of Jesus. In the early church, Christianity was illegal. Until a man named Constantine legalized it. But that means in the first few hundred years, it was illegal. We worshiped behind closed doors and went to an underground movement of Christianity. So everything that Jesus said was true, it happened, and it continues to happen. You may have heard recently that here in the United States, there still maintains about 80% of the population who claim to be followers of Christ. Now, that's a decline from a few years ago. About 20 years ago, it was 87%. So maybe you say, yeah, okay, we get that there are some negative thoughts about Jesus and the church, but look, the vast majority, 80% of the nation still sides with Jesus. But here's what you got to know. Only 25% of that 80% admittedly say that they are active in their faith. Only 25% say that they seek to live out their faith. What about all the rest? They're cultural Christians. Those people who say, well, we're good people. You know, we, we're on the role of a church. We show up at Christmas and Easter. But that means they're not really devoted to Jesus. They're not living according to biblical convictions. They have a cultural Christianity, not a commitment to Christ. Now, of course, there are people that were surveyed who do love Jesus, who do serve Jesus, who do believe the Bible and seek to live according to God's kingdom principles. 
But during the 1960s and 70s, there started a countercultural revolution. And it has grown today to be the majority countercultural revolution. Now, not to get too political, but what we have in the U.S. today is many on the right who are cultural Christians and many on the left who are countercultural. And those who are seeking to truly live out their Christian faith are struggling. Do we have to pick one because there's worldliness in both? And Jesus says that ultimately we need to be about the kingdom of God, not just the cultures of the world. So the goal of the Christian is to get above that spiritually, politically, morally. And to say, there is worldliness here. So how do we live kingdom down, not culture up? How do we live in such a way that we are not looking for the approval of the right or the left, but we are looking for the approval of the Lord? And that means that there may be some things that we disagree with on both sides of the political issues. This gets very complicated. And it takes wisdom for the Christian. And it means we need to think as residents of this world, but also as citizens of the kingdom. This is like a missionary. A missionary goes out into the culture saying, there are going to be some who have thoughts and behaviors that are ungodly, and I need to bring to them the word of God so that they can repent and and change and begin to place their lives in the hands of the God of the Bible so that they can start to live out kingdom principles. Jesus is the king of this kingdom, and he comes down and he says, if you go out and take the word of God and bring the truth of God, there will be a reaction, and it will include hatred, persecution, suffering, and opposition. Jesus continues, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. This is missionary talk. It's a missionary going into a culture knowing that there are going to be some things of disagreement. Continues, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. All of the cultures of this earth are infected with worldliness and sin. Jesus the King comes down from the kingdom and comes into the cultures of this world and he declares himself to be God and reveals himself to be God through his words, through his works. And what he says is, now they are without excuse. I told them I was God. I showed them I was God. And when they reject me, it's not because I wasn't clear. It's because they are clearly in rebellion. Now here's how it works in the world. Conform to the system or be punished. Sometimes that persecution is overt. It happens in other countries where ostracism, criticism, 
persecution and suffering of Christians is prevalent. Sometimes it happens in the West in maybe more subtle ways, but as a Christian, you do your job in such a way that you will refuse to be dishonest and you get fired. Or maybe you surrender your life to Christ and you tell your family, I met Jesus, and they say, I don't want to hear another word about this. Or you suffer socially. You're considered an outcast. And you wonder, do I have to conform to the pattern of this world? And if I say no, do I get punished? And in this age of social media, let me just say this. If your whole goal, if your whole life's goal is to be liked and popular, it's going to be very hard to please God. I tell you this because I love you and I want to lead you to reality. If you live for the love of this world, you will endure the wrath of God. Conversely, if you live for the love of God, you will endure the wrath of this world. You and I need to choose. Now, there are two reasons that Christians suffer. One is bad, one is good. The bad is where we bring it on ourselves. So this is self-inflicted moments of suffering. Something we did, something we said, something we got caught up in. And then there are those times we suffer, not because we did something wrong, but because we did the right thing. Let me share a couple of scripture passages with you. They're not on the screen, but 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Philippians 1.29. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. There are really only two options. God loves us and fills us with his love through the Holy Spirit so that we can love God. God, what do you want me to do in this world? How am I supposed to live it out? And God says, you go out in love. And then there will be hatred and opposition and criticism. All of this pointing to really only two options. Option number one. The Bible says to endure hardship like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers go into wars. Wars have conflict and opposition. You need to know that there is a war between God and Satan, between the kingdom and the world. And if you declare yourself to be on team Jesus, there is a team that is against you, and we call that spiritual warfare. The other option is to be a double agent. He just plays both sides, depending upon what crowd you're with, whatever is in your best interests. So this is the person who says, look, in my personal relationships, I'm godly. In my business dealings, to be honest, I'm worldly. Or, hey, look, I'm here on Sundays. Don't worry about what I do on Friday nights. Now, you probably know this. If you are a Bible-believing Christian, this book is seen as offensive, intolerant, repressive. 
And you and I live in a culture where even cultural Christianity is no longer fashionable. You tell somebody you love Jesus, and they're like, oh, you're one of those, so you're unloving. You go, no, I I read the Bible, and I've got to respond out of love. Ultimately, Jesus says that it is also the world against him, against the Lord. He goes on to say this, whoever hates me, hates my father as well. Now, some people would say, look, I understand who God is. I love God. I believe in God. I'm just not that keen on Jesus. Then you don't understand God. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are one, and to reject one is to reject God. Jesus goes on. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. Jesus says, look at my resume. I do what no one else can do. As it is, they have seen and yet have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. They hated who? God. God comes to the world and the world hates God. Now, you may be thinking, I'm sure there's some way we can get the world to love God and, and, and love Christians and love the Bible. When Jesus showed up, how did they respond to him? They hated him. Because the world and the kingdom, the world and the Lord are fundamentally in opposition. You see, the world rejects any authority beyond self. So in this world, the highest authority is me. In the kingdom, who has the highest authority? It's Jesus. It's God. In the world, we believe that human nature is is essentially good. You know, look, I'm independent. I have authority. No one can judge me. I'm a good person. By kingdom values, human nature is fallen, sinful, rebellious. That's why we need a new nature. That's why in culture it's you be true to you. But in the kingdom, it's you repent of you because you need to be true to God. You see, what happens is God shows up and we put God on trial. Jesus here at this moment, as he is saying these words, he is on the verge of his crucifixion. He's going to be betrayed, arrested, tried, condemned to death. Because ultimately, this is how the world works. It judges God. And the world today continues to judge God. God, you are wrong. We are right. God, you need to change. We don't need to change. We have done nothing wrong. And at the cross of Jesus, it reveals God and us. The love of God is revealed, and the absolute corruption of the world is revealed. Because, see, friends, Jesus shows up to the world, and the world hates Jesus, and the world murders Jesus. And in this moment, Jesus is revealing the love of God, and he's going to do that for his enemies, that they might be forgiven. 
that they might be brought into a relationship with God, that they might experience forgiveness from God and then transfer their ultimate allegiance from the world to God so that their highest value is not tolerance. The highest value is repentance. Now, I'm not naive about this. What Jesus is asking is hard. It's acknowledging that the only hope of the culture is to surrender to the king and his kingdom. This seems overwhelming. And that's why Jesus concludes with this. The Holy Spirit is our helper. For those who want to obey the king, for those who want to bring the kingdom, God will help. Jesus goes on. When the advocate comes, that's God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit comes to the believer who's trying to live kingdom down and not get caught up in the rebellion of the worldly aspects of this culture. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. So the whole trinity is here. The Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit to the believer. Jesus refers to him as the spirit of truth because this world is so full of lies. The spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. In the last verse, and you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. What Jesus is saying here is that Christians don't need to retreat. Some Christians will think, hey, look, if times are going to get tough, I'm out. When you're suffering, when you're opposed, when you're persecuted, it's like when pressure comes on you and, and what's inside of you gets revealed. It, it pops out, if you will. And you're like, you know what? The Holy Spirit is in me. So when somebody puts pressure on me, what should come out? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. This is the supernatural reaction to opposition. The natural reaction is evil for evil. So the source of our Christian response is in responding to the Lord, not reacting to the criticism or opposition. And here's what Jesus is saying. When hard times come, those are the best times to show that Christianity is real, that God really has changed us, that God really is good, that the Holy Spirit really is powerful. Think of it this way. When opposition increases, then the opportunity increases to be a witness. And God, the Holy Spirit, will be with you in your time of need, just as the Holy Spirit was with Jesus. Jesus was tempted you will be tempted. And the Holy Spirit can give you power to overcome the temptation. Jesus was falsely maligned and charged, accused. People will say false things about you. How did Jesus endure that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. There are times when Jesus was tired. There are times when you're going to be tired. And he lived from the power of the Holy Spirit. And look. If Jesus needed help, we all need help. And the good news is, 
Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to help us, encourage us, comfort us, heal us, to remind us that Jesus died for you to forgive you, that Jesus wants to remind you of the future that you have in him. You know what the enemy wants to remind you of? Your past. See if this hasn't happened to you before. Sometimes does it feel like God is far away? The Holy Spirit comes to bring the truth, the spirit of truth. He comes to bring the truth that God promises he will never leave you. He's going to stand by you. He's not going anywhere. The secret of the Christian life is not the, op- it's not the absence of opposition. It's the presence of God. And the Holy Spirit comes to bring God's presence to be with us so that we can follow the pattern of Jesus And for any who are not Christian, this is the most important decision you will ever make. Are you with Jesus or against Jesus? Some might ask, well, is there a third way? No. According to the Lord Jesus, there is not. There is the world. There is the kingdom. There is the enemy. There is the Lord. There is death or there is life depending upon your relationship with Jesus. And as Jesus is saying this, he is headed to the cross to suffer and die in our place for our sins. The world does not know God. And God in his love used the most horrific betrayal to bring about the most amazing salvation that this world could ever know. If you don't know Jesus, don't love Jesus, don't belong to Jesus, you are born into a war and you are born as an enemy combatant. You need to be born again through faith in Jesus Christ and become a citizen of the kingdom of God. And from this moment, make all of your life devoted to living kingdom down, not culture up. For those who are in the cultural Christian category. We need to repent of any worldliness in our life. Repent of anything in which we are trying to take the word of God and make it fit your life, your lifestyle. In a moment, we're going to respond. We're going to partake of communion, remembering Jesus' broken body, shed blood, that this world hated God. But it was in that act of injustice that God demonstrated his love for us. In addition, we're going to highlight the the need to collect our tithes and offerings. This is part of our citizenship celebration. That what we are claiming is that what I've been given is not just for me. It belongs to the Lord, the God of the kingdom. And so it's for me to share for the sake of the kingdom. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.